Welcome to Teacher Talk with Chrissy Nichols, the podcast that offers real tools and real conversations to help you feel good about teaching and yourself again. As a teacher who has spent more than two decades in the classroom, I get it. I know you have a lot to do, so if you need help right now, book a free consult call at www.thechrissyconcept.com. That's the C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-C-O-N-C-E-P-T dot com. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Teacher Talk with Chrissy Nichols. I am your host, and today we have a treat for our spotlight on our teacher. We have Tanya Hale. She's a middle school teacher who loves working to help her eighth grade students become better readers after spending 15 years at home raising her own family. She began her teaching career 12 years ago and has been loving her students in remedial reading and the loving of words ever since. And, and this is pretty amazing, Tanya is also a certified life coach who specializes in coaching middle-aged women on relationships. She's also the host of her own podcast called Intentional Living with Tanya Hale. She has four adult children. She was married for 24 years before divorcing seven years ago, and she recently married the love of her life and is preparing a move from Utah to Indiana. In this conversation, we talk about her highs and lows of teaching, how she feels as she's about to segue away from teaching and move into coaching truly full-time, and she's just an inspiration. She's a friend. She's an incredible teacher. For all of us out there who say, oh, I'm too tired for something else, this woman is a dynamo. She has some great pearls of wisdom about how the teaching landscape has changed just in the past 12 years and what she saw even before the pandemic. You won't want to miss this incredible conversation with Tanya Hale. Enjoy. Tanya Hale, thank you so much for joining us on Teacher Talk. So glad to be here. (laughs) It's wonderful to have you. Let's start with what first drew you to teaching, how long you've been teaching, a little bit of your story. Tell us. All right. I actually was really resistant to teaching for a lot of years because even though I thought I might like it, my dad was a school teacher and it just seemed like, like he was just had to work so many extra jobs to keep our family afloat. And then my older sister went into teaching and then I was just like, I just want to be like my own self. So I really didn't go into teaching for a long time. And then finally I was just like, you know what? I just love it. I love I had a a job teaching at a place where they trained people and I enjoyed it so much. And I finally just was like, fine, it's part of my heart. It's what I do. So I got my teaching certificate and my degree in English. And then my husband at the time had a military assignment. And so we did military for a lot of years. I was a stay-at-home mom for about 15 years. And then I started dabbling by subbing again. And then 12 years ago, I went back into the classroom full-time. 
So I've been doing that for 12 years now, and I've really, really enjoyed it. I teach middle school, mostly eighth graders who are like the the pinnacle of all psychotic teenage puberty mess, and they're my favorite. I love them. They just crack me up, and I teach remedial reading, so I get a lot of a lot of kids who are, struggle a bit. They've they hate reading. They don't like reading. They're all professed non-readers and I get to get them in a reading class, <laughs> which is always super enjoyable. But I just, I love that age group. I think I mostly love it because I like being there at the crossroads of their life. I mean, they're transitioning from little kid into big adult person. And I love to be there to, to show them that, that you can do it and you can be a good person. And I like to create a safe space for them. And I'm really good at that. So Mm, I love how you say I'm really good at that. I know that's true. You answered my next question a little bit about what you love about that age group. But in general, when you think about your classroom, what do you love about teaching? You know, my kids are really resistant to learning what I have to teach them. And, and so I think for me, I mean, I, I do love it so much when I see their reading skills improve. I love it when I see that. But mostly, I love it when they love to come to my class. And my kids have this struggle because they're like, I hate reading, but I love your class. And so I love creating this struggle for, <laughs> for them that, that they can realize that, that my class is enjoyable. It's fun. They know that I love them. I like I love it when they say that they know that I love them. And they know that I love teaching. That just always is probably my favorite part because I know that I have helped impact their life and their their mindset about education in a positive way. Thank you so much about telling us what you love about your students loving coming to class. They might not love reading, but they love you. Mm-hmm. But what do you think are the biggest challenges you faced in teaching? I think... There's been a huge shift in the 12 years that I've been teaching from a lot of parental support to a lot of, I mean, parental support for the teachers, but now it seems like the parental support is all for their children who very often can do no wrong. And it's hard to not have that support of the parents. It's really hard not to have the support of the community. And it feels like education has been the target of a lot of really, really difficult political, I don't know, what's the word there? Attacks, I guess. There's been a lot of different political attacks on education in the last five years or so. And it's made it really challenging to to just step into it and love it like I used to. I mean, I, I still absolutely love it, but it's brought a lot of weight that there didn't used to be in teaching for sure. You mentioned that parent support shifting where it used to be, it used to feel like more support for the teachers and now it's more championing or on the side of the student. Why do you think that is? Do you have any insights about where the shift has come from? Do you think it's COVID? Do you think it started to happen before the pandemic? What do you no, think? It was before the pandemic. I do kind of have an off the wall theory, but <laughs> I don't know if you'll want to keep. We love off the wall theories here at Teacher but, Talk, and I have I have zero data to back this up. But I think our society is in a place where every generation wants 
their children to have a better life than they had. I think that's just natural. And as we look back at our great grandparents and our grandparents and our parents, they we've all been able to step up our standard of living, the way that we live and and it, you know, it's it's come with more money and more of this. But I think our generation, so I'm in my 50s, I think we started raising our children and there wasn't much more of a place to go because we all have such a great standard of living and it's here in the United States and things are so good that I think the only place, and I think that things are so good that the only place we've really had to go is to start taking away work for and responsibility for our children. And a lot of parents started to think that, oh, this is this is how I can make their life better than mine. They don't have to go out and milk the cows at five o'clock in the morning. They don't have to, you know, do all the chores on a Saturday morning. And so I think as we have stepped into this generation where we've tried to make our children's lives better by taking away some of the work and some of the responsibility, I think that it's raised a generation who does not appreciate the value of work and who does not have a really strong work ethic for the most part. Obviously there's, there's people who do, but I think for the most part, there's just not a lot of that. And I think part of that, what I see is I think that parents are trying to take away the difficulty for their children as well. Also moving into the space of like, like why our kids struggle so much at this age. I think parents again have done the same thing when their kids were little and their kids would have a tough emotional thing come up. Maybe they're really nervous about something and, or or they didn't like something. And parents have just been taking that away and taking that away. And so our kids have an emotional capacity to deal with nerves of like a four or a Mm five-year-old. And so then they're coming into my class as a 13, 14 year old with the capacity to deal with, with things that make them uncomfortable at a four or a five-year-old, but they're dealing with 13, 14 year old issues. And of course it's going to be huge for them. Of course, it's going to manifest as anxiety because these kids don't have the skills to deal with difficult things because parents trying to make their children's lives better have actually very ill-equipped them to manage just the basic day-to-day stuff. That was a huge, long answer. (laughs) That was a fabulous (laughs) answer. And Part of the thing that I love what you just said there, Tanya, is this dismantling of the difficulty, this taking away of the hard, the dismantling of doing something just because it's hard. I see that also in education, and I think you're really on to something there. And I guess in terms of, you know, for for us as teachers inside of our classes, so much of what we do is in isolation. So we often see these things. We see this anxiety because students have not been asked to fail or maybe have never failed before. And this is the first time and we're helping them maybe flex that muscle for the first time of hard or difficult or failure or resiliency I think as well that education is acquiescing to the demands of the parents to soften things up. Yeah. I mean, like, like me in my classroom, I am not allowed to have late due dates. I mean, kids can hand stuff in until the very end. I can't have due dates. They're allowed to do things as often as they want. And I do understand the mastery level thinking that goes beyond that. What is the reasoning for that? What is, I know you're in a public school system here in Utah. Yes. What is the reasoning for no late due dates? What's that about? 
the concept is that we want students to be able to master stuff and be able to try something as many times as it takes mm-hmm. to master a concept, to master an idea. The difficulty with that is, is that the education system is not set up to continually reteach a student multiple, multiple, multiple times. And the students are not set up with the work ethic to fail at something and then go back and try and relearn it and then try again. They just want to take it and then they want to come right up and say, oh, well, let me just take it again, thinking that just back-to-back testing, they're gonna, something's going to change. And so I don't think that there's the mindset and the work ethic to really support this idea of, of long-term, let's, let's give you as long as you want to master this content and this concept. And so I think that that's part of it as well. That is a fascinating answer. I mean, I feel like we have another podcast together to talk and dive into that issue of dismantling difficulty or difficult conditions. Fascinating. Finally, I did just want to ask, I know that you are leaving teaching right now. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? And you're not doing it necessarily because you're burnt out. You're not doing it because you're fed up. You're doing it for love. You were recently married (laughs) and you're about to move to be closer to your spouse. The same state would be nice. And so you're leaving your classroom. You're leaving your colleagues. You're leaving education. First of all, how does that feel? And second of all, as you sort of leave all of your peers in the trenches, if you could wave that magic wand, what would make their job easier? What would make teaching easier for them? Okay. So how does it feel? It's, it's really a dichotomy of emotions for me. I'm really, really excited to move on to a new phase of my life. As, as you said, I just got married and he lives in the Midwest and I'm in the West. And so we've got a big move going on. And also I have a a life coaching business that I've been working on building and building and building and for three years. And I am making now almost as much money as I make teaching my business. And so it's kind of a good time for me to make that shift. So both of those, and I'm super excited because I love coaching so much. I also love education a lot and I love those kids a lot. And it's going to be super, super hard to leave that because I love, I love being a part of, of positivity in their lives that's been a fun thing. And I love watching them grow and develop over the course of the nine months that I get to work with my kiddos. Um, So a lot of just excitement and just thrilled of where I'm going, but also a lot of sadness. And it's like these two emotions are in a bucket, just rubbing up against each other, right? Like in any day I can feel both of those emotions multiple times. Um, And thank you because I hear that emotion in your voice when you talk about it. I know that this is... This is the dichotomy, right? This is the 50-50 of the so exciting to go towards love, to go towards your business, to move into a new phase, but also the change grief of something is really shifting for you at the end of the year. And that's the life of a teacher, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to move on, but also exciting to move on. So let's see. Second, the magic wand. I think I would just want everybody in the world to have this coaching because if we could get everybody to start taking responsibility that's right for where they are the parents to take responsibility for what they 
could be doing as parents, the students to start taking responsibility for what they could be doing as students as far as responsibility for their learning, the teachers for taking responsibility for all the things that they can do, and the administration taking responsibility for them. I I see so much blaming and a- accusing going on. You know, teachers are always blaming the parents and the students, and teachers are also blaming the admin. You know, the admin is not doing what they're supposed to do. But then I don't see teachers out in the hall like we've been asked to be. I don't see teachers enforcing the no phones in the classroom like we've been asked to do at my school. And so there's all of this everybody's blaming somebody else, but people are not stepping up to take responsibility for what we can change, what I can do. There's so much that each one of us can do to make this better. But as long as everybody's putting themselves in victim mode and pretending like they don't have the responsibility or the ability to change anything, nothing's going to get better. So I would wave a magic wand, give everybody coaching on the thought model and start there. (laughs) You heard it here first, everybody coaching for in every faculty room across America. Tanya Hale, tell us where we can find you and who you coach. And I will definitely link everything about you in the show notes. But how can people find you as a coach? Thank you, Chrissy. Um, I can be found at tanyahale.com. That's my website. I am a midlife coach for women, most often like Christian women, but you don't have to be Christian. I work with a lot of people who are not religious at all, right? But, But midlife women and this stage of all of our changing relationships and the things that we're doing, whether it be divorce, whether it be trying to figure out your marriage relationship, whether it be with your adult children, relationships change during middle age. And this is the age that I love to work with in figuring that out. I also have a podcast called Intentional Living with Tanya Hale. And I've been doing that for three years. And I absolutely love that. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Tanya Hale LDS Life Coaching. So I can be found in several different places. And that's H-A-L-E, in case you're wondering. Tanya, what an opportunity. I feel like we could talk all day. Thank you so much for being on Teacher Talk. I just love you. Thank you so much. My pleasure, my sweet friend. Have a great day. Thank you, too. Everybody listening to Teacher Talk, this has been another fabulous conversation with extraordinary teachers doing extraordinary things in ordinary and extraordinary classrooms. We'll see you next time in Teacher Talk with Chrissy Nichols. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's episode, teacher friends. If this podcast speaks to you, please share it. Share Teacher Talk with one teacher or administrator or educator in your life. To continue the conversation and have life-changing tools and resources sent directly to your inbox, join my weekly newsletter, Teacher Talk, at www.thechrissyconcept.com. That's the C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-C-O-N-C-E-P-T.com. There, you can also book a consult with me. That's a one-on-one conversation to see if coaching might be just what you're looking for. Sometimes one call is all it takes. Have a great day in and out of the classroom, my friends. We'll see you next time.